What we just sang about is exactly what we're going to be talking about today as we continue on in our series looking at the gospel and what it means for our past, our present, and our future. Last week we looked at how the good news of Jesus, that's what the gospel is, how that impacts our lives and can make uh, the old way of our life new, how he, Jesus can take us dead in sin and bring us back to life. But sadly, for a lot of us, that's sort of where we stop thinking about the good news of Jesus. We think, hey, I've received the good news of Jesus. I've put my faith and trust in God because of what he has done and enabled me to do. And so this is great news. And so I'm going to go share it with other people who need the good news too. And that's a great thing. But it also misses out on so much that there is in store with the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done. The reality is a lot of us need Jesus. All of us need Jesus on a regular basis. And we know that life can be tough. This past week, I uh, was reminded of the difficulties of life and how much we need God through uh, doing things like I led a funeral service for a woman who was a healthy 59-year-old and just suddenly passed away in her sleep with no explanation. I was reminded of my need for God as I wrestled with my attitude at different points this week. I was reminded of my need for God and the good news of Jesus on the cross as I sinned time and time again this week and wrestled with those things that just keep holding me back from fully embracing all that God would have in store for me. And we've all been there. Anyone who's a follower of Jesus, you have been there in that place where you just know that things aren't going the way they should. You've got that temptation that just keeps grabbing you. Maybe you identify with the Apostle Paul who's like, everything I want to do, I just can't accomplish. But everything I don't want to do, I just seem to do over and over and over again. Maybe you've been there. And that's where the good news of Jesus needs to intersect us. Jesus' message is about more than just our saving faith in him for the beginning of our journey with God, but it's for all the way along the way as we face sin, as we struggle with doubts, as we wrestle with different anxieties that come with trying to pursue God. Because the reality is that while following Jesus is the good life, it's not a problem-free or trouble-free pursuit. There's going to be stuff that comes up along the way. And this is what Peter reminds us of in 1 Peter chapter 1, which we've been studying. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me there to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to again look at verses 3 to 9 and see what the good news of Jesus means for us today. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we would love to, to give one to you. There's some out in the front entrance. Feel free to grab one. It's our gift to you. But otherwise, you can follow on the screens for now. But, but here we're looking at Peter writing to these Christian people who have been scattered throughout uh, the countries surrounding Israel. They've, they've gone out and they've been chased out because the Romans and some of the Jewish leaders have an issue 
with these people who have decided to follow Jesus. And so they begin persecuting them. They imprison them. They torture them. They kill them sometimes. And so as these people are chased out, they're not just facing the troubles you and I face as followers of Jesus, which we have all faced throughout history, but they are facing this added persecution. And so you know that they needed some good news. You know that they must have been down and out struggling with worry and doubt as they walk through life trying to figure out what does it look like to live without our Savior being here with us on earth. And so Peter writes this letter to encourage them, by extension to encourage us, about how we can walk through life when we face temptation, fears, and doubts as we go along. So let's read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. He writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And this is also into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer griefs in all kinds of trials, these things have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though it's refined by fire, that it may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So today we're looking at how the gospel impacts our presence, and I want to focus specifically on what he said in verse 5. That our faith in the good news of Jesus, through that we are shielded by God's power. The gospel shields us through God's power. Now if you were to be a little bit geeky like me and want to study the, the root words of these things, you would find that this word shielded is actually a little bit lame in English compared to how it was in the original Greek. In the original Greek, this word shielded is actually a verb, that God is on the move, and what he's doing is he's guarding us actively against a hostile invasion. The Greek word is phureo, which means to guard against an attack, to actively be on watch and the lookout defending against the enemy. In this day, what you would say is that a king might be anticipating an enemy coming to attack his city, and so he would frueo his city by sending out the whole garrison of his army to surround the city walls so that if someone was there to attack, they could shield the people of the city and fight back the enemy so that they would leave them alone. 
So what Peter is saying when he is writing this encouragement to the Jesus followers who are facing all sorts of hardships is he's saying that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, isn't just that it saved you once from yourself and your sins, but it's actively shielding you. It's actively protecting you against a hostile invasion. An understanding of that word is important because as Peter goes on to write the rest of this letter that we could read, we'll see that he gives us insight onto where that invasion is coming from. In chapter 2, we see that Peter says, your own sinful desires will wage war on your very soul. Our own desires attack the part of us that desires to follow after Jesus. Later on in in chapter 5, he'll say, be alert and sober-minded. Why? Because the enemy, your enemy, the devil, will prowl around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We don't like talking about this a lot because sometimes it makes people uncomfortable. Sometimes people go, well, I don't like talking about the God and the devil, but there, there is a truth to that statement. Peter didn't want people to miss out on the fact that Though we have a God who's in control, though we have a God who can save us, he has an enemy. And because we're identified in God, we too inherit him, Satan, as an enemy of us. And so God's enemy will look for opportunities to hurt us. He'll try to draw out those selfish desires which will lead us to sin, which to doing the things that God does not want us to do. He'll try to draw us away from God by placing worry and doubt into our minds. He'll try to attack us by telling us that it's up to us and we can do it on our own, under our own strength. But we know if we've been following Jesus for any period of time, we can't do it on our own. We can't actively guard ourselves all the time because we're fallen people. Just as Satan deceived Adam and Eve by tricking them into this idea that, you know, God's not telling you the full truth. There's actually more to life than what God would have you know. Just sin entered in the world, and by extension, we are now all predisposed to go our own way, to struggle with these things, to to, to wrestle against God. And so together, our flesh, as it's called in the Bible, which is our sinful desires, and God's enemy, Satan, work to do a in our minds regularly. And so Peter says, this is the reality, but have some hope. Have some hope because the good news of God is powerful. It has the ability to surround you, to shield you, to help you fight back and defend what's going on. So how does it do that? Well, to better answer this, uh, we're going to take a look at Scripture, which speaks to the very idea of preparing ourselves, of shielding ourselves using how God wants to surround us. And so as I read that, I'm going to invite my friend Jordan to come on up. And uh, as Jordan comes up with some stuff to give us a little bit of an object lesson, let's read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and on the full armor of God, 
so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit and request with this in mind. Be alert and then always keep on praying for all of God's people. Thanks, Jordan, for coming. So Jordan here is a firefighter. Uh, now, Paul wasn't exactly talking about firefighters in this passage, uh, but what he was doing is he was giving God's people an image for them to understand how the gospel can shield them against the fiery attacks, as he said here, of the enemy. Now, I don't have any uh, Roman equipment to wear, but we do have someone who's used to dealing with fiery attacks, and he's got a lot of equipment. So what, what I've asked Jordan, a lot of equipment. So what, what I've asked Jordan to do is sort of put on some gear to help give us a picture of how this all can work. The first thing we noticed if you, if you were watching, which I know it's, it's hard to listen to me talk while Jordan's doing this, not only is he a great looking guy, this is interesting, um, but we see that, that Jordan, what did you step into first? Boots and pants. In Paul's illustration, he says that we need to put on the gospel shoes, that there's a gospel of peace that readies our feet. As Jordan goes in and fights a fire, he needs to make sure that he can stand firm. As fires burn, floors become rickety, things are sharp and protruding, he needs to be able to combat what he will face as he enters an unknown structure fire. So he needs to stand firm as he descends the fire, and then he needs to be able to push in against what might come at him. Because it brings us peace. He says that our feet are fitted with the peace. This word peace is something that's ascribed as an attribute to Jesus over and over again. But one of the most, maybe most famous expressions of this term is that God, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. In Greek, peace also means not just having a, a peace of mind and being relaxed and anxious free, but it gives us this picture of oneness of wholeness, of not being divided and torn in two. So how the good news of Jesus impacts us is that it helps us to recognize that we are at one with God. And so when the enemy comes at us, we know we can stand firm because it's not just on our own, but it's God with us and united with him. One of the easiest ways for the enemy to try to attack you is that you are going to worry about who you are and all your inadequacies. And frankly, he's actually right. <laughs> who are we? We're wildly inadequate. We are wildly unprepared or on our own. But when we have the peace of knowing that we stand with God, we know we don't stand alone. So after Jordan put on his boots and pants, we see that he put on his jacket. 
we have a jacket? Any of the kids in the room want to take a guess? Any of the big kids want to take a guess why Jordan might wear wearing that big jacket? What's it protecting? It's got protecting him from getting burnt. And over here, I heard, right? All, uh, almost all of Jordan's vital organs are in these. That's a bad thing to have burned or punctured. As Jordan will go in and fight a fire, we'll see that there will be things not only like flames, but also uh, things that might be sticking out, objects that are contaminated, that if they puncture him in the torso will be bad news. Roman soldiers wore plates of armors across their chest. Jordan wears this jacket. And what Paul is trying to get us to understand is how the gospel shields us is that it surrounds the things that are most vital, like our heart, by helping us know that we are righteous. He calls it the breastplate of righteousness. Now, righteousness means to be made right with God. Paul will write other places. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. We might be made right with God. The reality is the enemy of God is going to attack our heart. He's going to make us see all the problems and failures. He's going to attack what you've done, you slithering worm. But while we have done those things, perhaps with God, we are no longer ununited. We're no longer divided. Again, this is another facet of what he's trying to say, but we are made whole. We are made right with God. And so the gospel has the power to protect us because it has the power to remind us that Jesus' death makes us right. And so we can stand alongside God even when we failed. Jordan's got another thing on. You can uh, see it here on his neck. This is a type of hood. And in a few moments, he'll also put on some gloves. But this mask and hood to us can maybe be a better representation of the shield of faith. We are told that our faith is what helps us extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. Now, when Jordan goes into a structure fire, he's going to experience temperatures probably on average of around 1,500 degrees. That's like walking into a pizza oven that's at full temperature. This is not a good place for your bare skin to be exposed. And so he pulls up this hood. He'll put on gloves when he's almost all done. And these things help him to protect every part of his skin. It's hard to cling on to something if your hands or face are being burned. It's hard to, to hold on and to grip something without those things going. And so what God says is he says, I am giving you faith. And in that faith, two things will happen. You will become in me and I will come in you. And so no matter what thing might try to burn you, you'll be able to hold on strong. In addition to this, Jordan's got his lovely mask. He's on air now. We could go up in smoke and we're all doomed, but Jordan's here. Um, so 
But this Scott pack, this air that he breathes, helps him to face anything. This is what Paul was saying when he said the belt of truth. But different Bible scholars debate what the belt of truth was for. Did it hold everything in place? Did it help us lift up the weight? But, but really, what it doesn't matter which of the truth. And I actually think the Scott Pack's a better way to understand it. The truth is what helps us to breathe. It's what helps us to live and go through every single thing. The truth of Scripture and knowledge that we have allows us to fight against the doubts that we'll have. It'll allow us to fight against the worries that come and pop up in us. In fact, there's actually not a problem with being a Christian who has doubts and who wrestles with different things. Because the good news of God is that he gives us the the truth. And in fact, when we face the, the doubts and the worries with the truth, it actually helps us grow deeper into our understanding of who God is. It helps us sink down deeper into the peace and trust that we have in God. It helps us to cover more of our skin so that we can carry on. The truth of the gospel is that God loves you incredibly and he wants to lead you to a flourishing life. Jordan's going to have a very short, pathetic life if he goes into a fire without that thing on. But we, as we go into any situation, fiery or smoky, difficult as it may be, with the truth, can get through. Finally, we see, or the last two things we see is that he has a a helmet, where protects his mind, again, giving us this sense that we'll have worries and anxiety. The enemy of God is known as the great accuser, who will tell us lies, who will uh, go against our head, and this in Jordan's case, helps prevent debris. For us, it helps us prevent our minds being filled with the clutter that the enemy will try to throw at us to distract us from God. And then the good news is that the gospel doesn't just shield us by making us be able to go on defense, but that we're actually able to go on the offensive is what we're told that we have the sword of the spirit. Now, We don't have a sword, but Jordan has a great new nice shiny axe on loan from the fire department. But the the, the axe and the fire hose with the fire, they allow him not to just kind of stand guard and watch something burn, watch people perish as there's a structure fire. It allows him to actually boldly, knowing that he's defended, go in and break through walls. It allows him to extinguish the fire that is going on in his life and in the life of others around him. The good news of Jesus is that he didn't just give us a morsel of truth in the past, but he is giving us the living word of all things that are true for us to be able to go on the offense, for us to be able to fight temptation. We see that when when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, what did he do? He quoted scripture back at the enemy. He spoke to him the truth. When other people were wrestling with doubts and fears, Jesus didn't just sit there and wait cautiously because he knew the truth. No, he was able to speak the very words to the lives of others so they too could be protected. Protected. This is what it means for the good news 
to surround us. So thanks, Jordan, for coming and sharing with us. Uh, thanks for protecting us uh, as a firefighter, but also for giving us this play. You know, this, this idea and, and this repetition that Paul gives us as he talks about the different armor and the different weapons that we can carry are all these full. Talks about our giving us peace when we have this anxiety of separation from God. It talks us about those doubts and those lies that will come into our mind and how the gospel can actually clarify what's right and wrong because sometimes we don't even know. It reminds us that we're made right with God. So not only are we beside him, but we are connected in an intimate relationship with him. This is how the gospel will speak into all sorts of things against our own sinful desires, our own flesh and blood, but also against the hostile invasion that comes from outside where the enemy will try to come at us. This is the good news of the gospel. We need that each and every day. Because as we try to follow Jesus, the enemy causes us to fall, causes us to stumble. We'll face all sorts of different temptations which will drive a wedge in our experience of God, never fully able to tear us away from our salvation, but deadening our experience to the God who loves us and to hearing his voice. We need to be equipped to go against that. So how do we put on the armor of God? How do we allow ourselves to be actively shielded from the enemy's attack? Well, first and foremost, I would say that you've got to... The relationship with the guard was very important for a king protecting his city. He needed to know them. They needed to know him so that they could work in unison to take care of all of the people who lived in a surrounded city. We too have the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who is able to protect us beside us. But sadly, so many of us don't spend time with him. If you find yourself in this place where you're just maybe constantly kicking yourself, wondering why you have no edge in, in, in pushing against the temptation you face, Maybe you find yourself just beaten down with doubts about who God is and, or maybe who you are in your faith. The question I would ask is, how much time have you actually spent with the one who defines that? Jesus is known as the author and perfecter of our faith. If he's the one writing the story and carrying us through, how much time are we getting to know him? So we're looking to God, not just about your prayer requests, but about how you can know him. You know, we can actually go to God and, 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 and wrestle through what it means to understand him on a deeper level. He doesn't just want to answer our prayers. He does want to answer the, the requests that we bring before him, but he also wants to just get to know us, for us to get to know him, rather. Secondly, how much time do you spend studying his word? We talked about this a lot when we studied uh, the Sermon on the Mount a number of months ago, but, but God has given us instruction for living. Not so that this would be a rule book, not so that it would be a bunch of killjoys which take us away uh, from, from certain things, but so that we might have life. God has said, I have given you this 
so that you can flourish. The word of God is breathed out by him and it's useful to teach us, sometimes to rebuke us, to correct us, to help us train in our righteousness. When we study God's word, we grow deeper in understanding the shielding that's taking place. But then if we want to be an active participant, we also have to put it into play. A whole lot of knowledge about God, a whole lot of knowledge about the truth is good only to a certain degree until we put it into practice. This is why I think Paul also added in the offensive mechanisms telling us that we are to look at the truth, the word, pray in the spirit in all things. We are to go and live out the teachings of scripture, speaking out the truth of what God can do so that we can be shielded and we can live a life that flourishes. Thirdly, I would say one of the ways that we do it is doing the very thing that we're doing here in this room. We gather together with the people of God. You don't defend a city against an enemy invasion with one person alone or even a couple standing outside their home. That's going to be a pretty measly defense against an invasion. You're going to come and try to take over your home. What are you going to do? You're going to call the police, hopefully. Right? You're going to call in people who know what they're doing, people who are equipped and ready to come alongside of you to protect your home. Why do we sometimes leave that and put it off when we think of our own spiritual selves? As we gather together with people, we, we're able to encourage one another. We're able to hold each other accountable. We're able to even just live our lives so that we can be mores that can teach one another as we go on in our lives. Gather for church. Gather for community group. If you're not in a community group, join one. That's one of the best ways, you know. This is great, what we do here all together on a Sunday, but it's even better when you get together with a smaller group who can care for you and love you and know every part of what you're wrestling through so that they together can be like a small group who surrounds you and helps shield you in your faith and helps you grow. When you're beat down, they help you get picked up. And then when they're beat down, you help pick them up. And together we can work with one another to experience the power of God through one another. And the good news of this isn't just that we don't get, att we don't get attacked. It's not just that we aren't completely destroyed. But it's that as we get to know God, as we experience truth, something grows up inside of us. Peter later on in verse 8 says this, Though you uh, have not seen Jesus, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and what? Are filled with an inexpressible as we recognize the presence of God in our lives, as we see his faithfulness in providing for us, as we use his truth to fight against temptation, as we face the doubts and grow in a better understanding and put those things aside, what happens is we get more hope. 
And as we get more hope and we get more peace, we get a whole lot more joy. Are you experiencing joy in your life today? Joy in the Lord, God is, and what he's doing? Well, if your answer is no, chances are you're also standing unguarded, unshielded, and you're vulnerable to attack. The question you and I must all face is what are we going to do with the gospel? Are we going to leave it for something just in the past or something that we're going to give out to somebody else as a message of hope? And don't get me wrong, that's good. But are we also going to go and take it and apply it to ourselves and let it be part of live and breathe, what supports us and carries us through? Are we going to experience the fullness of joy in a way that only we can experience if we're tight with God in relationship? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And God, this is a uncomfortable subject for some I know and, and some don't like facing the reality of ourselves and our own sin but others don't like the idea about the devil <clears throat> but Lord God we recognize that we must we recognize that we have to be aware of what's going on around that we need to be alert and of, 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 of sober minds so that we can recognize what's going on in the world around us because God that you love us so much not only from our sins so that one day we might get to experience the fullness of eternal life but that you want to carry us along the way and that you want to protect us and guide us so that our lives can flourish so that we can be full of joy and so god i i pray over our church family that we would be a people of great joy as we get to know you more lord god for those people who are trying to do it on their own. God, for those who are hesitant to, to dive deep, I pray that you would move in their hearts to see the value of being surrounded with other people who are suited up and shielded by faith. God, would that be a powerful thing in every person's life here in the church? Would you allow us to be a joyful people, full of peace and hope, and Lord God, then would we be a people who would also not just stand firm, but would advance with your word and the power and prayer by your spirit into our world to defend others, to be part of your plan to win others into your kingdom. God, we thank you that you invite us in to do all of this. And so, Lord God, we just praise you. We thank you. Thank you for being so good to us. Now, Lord God, as we, as we sing and respond to you in worship, we'll wear these next few songs as, as, as powerful reminders that, that not only are we shielded by you, but that we advance with you in front of us, behind us, and all around us. And so we thank you for this time. We pray in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.